coming up. Then addressing the speech. And many times we don't even need to address the speech because Uh it all fell into place because of that underlying issue. And, you know, the thing is, is um, I hear a lot of SLPs say, we don't know what causes speech sound disorders. Well, I think we do. Yeah, we do. So it can be a hearing (laughs) issue. (laughs) It can be hearing, right? We're not speaking the right sounds because of a hearing issue. Um, Good point. it can be um, neurological or um, phonological, like related to our understanding um, of language that, mm-hmm. you know, the S makes, right? Um, and then it can also be like mechanical. So that could be a tongue tie, that could be oral motor movements, how they're forming the sounds. That could be a muscle based issue. So, like dysarthria. Um, so, I mean, those are three main reasons for speech sound issues. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of nuance there. It's one of those three. We have a special offer for our Munch Bunch listeners to book a virtual consult with Megan. She's offering a discount of $25 off. Just email her Megan at nwmyofunctionaltherapy.com or through her website www.orofacial-myology.com. To book a virtual consult with Kimmy for the $25 off, email her mouthmusclememory at outlook.com or through the website www.mouthmusclememory.com. Now on to the episode. Hey everybody, this is the Munch Bunch Maya podcast. It's Kimmy Nishimoto and Megan Van Noy, my wonderful co-host. And today we have a Mayo legend, Miss Autumn Henning herself. You may know her as Chrysalis Orofacial, the hardest word in the language to write and type out. <laughs> That's the first right test to know if you need to be a patient is if you can actually say chrysalis oral facial. <laughs> yes, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> and today she's going to talk a little bit about SLPs and how that kind of ties into everything and what is an SLP, what are what do they do, what are the different levels of SLP because there's a lot of different facets to it. So mm-hmm. Autumn, will you give just like a little backstory on yourself, how you got here and tell us your, your story? Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 So I love, I love that question. Um, I love hearing other people's stories and I like to tell mine. So um, I started out as a speech language pathologist and just you know, over the years kind of realized um, that there's a lot more that we weren't taught in school. Mm-hmm. And I had a kind of monumental case. It was an infant um, my first year out of school and um, kind of discovered a tongue tie and what is a posterior tongue tie. And mm-hmm. um, in all of my education, um, SLPs have a master's degree. Um, that was not taught to us. And so from there, I just got really curious about like, what else didn't they tell me? And, um, (laughs) you know, that case turned out great. I kind of, you know, that's why they call it clinical practice. You kind of learn as you go. 
in yeah. a sense. Um, and so with that, I was treating pediatric feeding and, um, you know, seeing all these tongue ties and feeding disorders and things like that. But then there are the patients that, you know, didn't necessarily have a feeding issue or a speech issue, but they had oh. you know, the sleep issues and the mouth breathing and the um, malocclusions and things like that. And so I really wanted to fill a gap um, with those patients. And then also when I was educating families about tongue ties and, you know, what they can impact later on as far as like TMJ disorder, sleep apnea, things like that. A lot of the parents of my patients got really wide-eyed. Uh -huh. <laughs> they were like, well, what about me? Um, so that's when I... Um, you know, really pursued myofunctional therapy. And um, I got what I call the oral function trifecta. So um, I'm an IBCLC, so lactation consultant, SLP, and um, a certified orofacial myologist. So um, I am done getting letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alphabet soup a little bit, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but in the best way, because it's all right. Needed. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's kind of me in a nutshell and kind of how I got into this world. Um, I always say tongue tie is kind of the gateway drug to I'll everything bet. else. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I started my... Um, continuing education practice back in 2016 um, with our flagship course TOTS training. So tethered oral tissue specialty training. Um, we've trained almost 3000 um, professionals and that's anything from, you know, dentists to physicians, nurse practitioners, speech pathologists, myofunctional therapists, OTs, PTs, chiropractors, everything in between. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and I love teaching. And um, then I have a private practice in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and that's, that's what I do. We have a few other therapists with us and we live and breathe orofacial function every day. And so you mentioned Chrysalis, um, our yeah. company name, <laughs> and that that's all about like transformation. That's like the stage with the butterfly uh -huh. goes through the transformation. And so our philosophy and why I named it Chrysalis is because there's a story about um, the butterfly stuck in the chrysalis and a man saw it and cut it out and the butterfly never flew because it really uh -huh. needed to do the work and like shimmy and struggle to get out. Um, so that it could be strong enough to fly. And so that's part of like our philosophy is that, you know, I can't do it for the patient. They have to, they have to do the work and, you yeah. know, they have to be working hard and committed to make this transformation. So that's in a nutshell, um, kind of, kind of where we came from and where we are. I love it. Yeah, and I actually got to meet you in real life this year when I took the TOTS class, so that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. We we all see each other on podcasts and social media, and uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of rare, especially with <laughs> COVID going, you know, that whole deal. Um, meeting each other in real life is a rare gem. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Well, and I mean, I think a lot of people have heard mine and Kimmy's origin story, but we got to meet literally, well, a week before the world shut down. You know, Kimmy and I met at a pediatric conference. We were representing Mayo Munchie. Um, we were educating for them. We both had the opportunity to go to San Francisco. We met. Um, at first, I thought Kimmy was a little crazy, and then I realized it was the best kind of crazy, and we've been connected <laughs> to the hip ever since. Um, and uh, yeah, literally, we were in San Francisco, I think it was like March 7th, 8th, 9th, and it was like the following week, March 15th, 16th, whatever that was, like the world shut down. And I remember us being there being like, man, do we think this like COVID thing's really going to take <laughs> take flight I know, like, I know. Yeah. yeah so crazy so that was just like serendipitous that we got to meet in person and become friends first and then now you know can never get rid of us so <laughs> right I feel like now it's kind of opposite <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and let it be known that Megan thought I was weird because I was like let's take videos of us doing our munchie all over San Francisco <laughs> true mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it though. I know. That's great. Yeah. She didn't oh, want yeah. to participate. <laughs> and then I did. And then here we are, you know, brought me out of my like a little bit too serious of shell and, uh, you know, kind of brought back a little bit of goofiness and I'm very grateful for that. So <laughs> nice. Nice. That. Uh, yeah. And now, you know, we have the best time together. And so here we are. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. real quick, um, we've said SLP, we've said a few uh, acronyms a few times. So let me real quick, SLP, speech language pathologist, PT, physical therapist, OT, occupational therapist, IBCLC, lactation consultant, but there's a specialty with that. What's different between IBCLC and just being lactation? Yeah. So the term lactation consultant, anybody can kind of use it. Okay. IBCLC is kind of the gold standard. It's the most rigorous of certification and programs. And so it's international board certified lactation consultant. There are other um, credentials um, like CLC, certified lactation counselor. Um, Mm, Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's a whole nuance within there too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just, I want to make sure everybody, because I know we have a lot more kind of uh we're more patient facing general public and uh so sometimes I like to make sure we got all of our acronyms like down pat well and I think there's confusion in the field too right of you know because even with us some people say it's myofunctional therapy oral facial myofunctional therapy oral facial myology Uh, you know all means the same yeah it all means the same so (laughs) honestly it just means we're all here to help you breathe better feel better function better and like that's it that's all there is to it so (laughs) yeah yeah. Tell us more about, so, you know, speech therapy is its own entity, right? Dental hygiene is its own entity, occupational therapy, physical therapy, right? We all have our own entities, but then we all kind of have that cross in the Venn diagram. So talk to us more about what, it, what's the speech side of things? How do we overlap? How do we cross? How do we work together well with you? Right, right, right. Yeah. And first off, I would say that, <clears throat> your average general speech language pathologist isn't going to know this stuff. And same for, you know, dental hygienists or, um, yeah, like we're already like such a subset within our field. Yes. Um, So I will say that um, 
And yeah, we do have differing scopes of practice as far as the age of patients that we treat and our, our specific role there. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, particularly dental hygiene and um, speech language pathologists, both of those that are trained in myofunctional therapy, we overlap on, you know, breathing re-education, um, oral rest posture, so training the tongue to rest up, the lips to close, um, and, you know, oral phase swallowing. So yeah. as far as, you know, chewing, gathering food, um, drinking in the oral phase of the mechanics of preparation before the pharyngeal swallow. So that would be kind of where our overlaps are. I think the differences would be, um, you know, anything pharyngeal, um, pharyngeal swallowing, any aspiration, choking, that sort of stuff is, Uh is purview of typically an SLP. Sometimes OTs, are trained in swallowing and it depends on your organization and whatnot. Um, And then obviously speech articulation is speech. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting how there is overlap and, and, you know, people can get kind of testy and territorial about it. Uh And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a person that like, we're all professionals here. I'm going to respect people and hope that they're doing the right thing and they're not doing anything to, um, you know, jeopardize their license or, or, you know, overstep their bounds that they're not qualified for. And so, yeah, yeah, I tend to go to that side. Mm -hmm. And Autumn, what is pharyngeal swallow for our Uh listeners who maybe don't know that term? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good call. So pharyngeal, so we have four phases of swallowing. So Ooh, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, anybody's yeah, like yeah. broken it down four t- in four ways before. Right, yeah. So with that, I think we tend to think of swallowing as like this really fast instantaneous thing. A swallow is just a swallow and that's all it is. But there's really four separate phases that really have to come together and integrate. So um, the oral Oral prep phase is basically like chewing, gathering the food, um, you know, the with liquid, you know, maintaining suction on a straw, um, keeping the bolus in the tongue, um, uh-huh. that sort of stuff. And then we have oral transit, which moves um, the bolus or the food or liquid from the front middle of the mouth to the back of the mouth. And then once that happens in the back of your throat, when, when material hits the back of your throat, the pharyngeal wall, um, that is a reflex. So a neurological reflex is the swallow. Um, So yes, we can like swallow on command, but um, by moving saliva back, um, but the actual swallow itself is neurological and reflexive. Uh Um, a lot happens during that time. So our whole voice box lifts and comes forward. Our vocal folds close. We have two sets of, um, true and false vocal folds. Our epiglottis, which I kind of call it like the trap door. It closes over our airway so that the food or liquid is directed into our esophagus instead of our trachea. Um, so a lot of things happen. And um, 
Yeah, 26 muscles, six cranial nerves just for one swallow. Um, super Doing cool. the work. <laughs> yeah. And then the last phase is the esophageal phase. So once it, it goes through the, the pharyngeal or the throat phase, mm -hmm. um, that's when it goes into your esophagus and moves towards the stomach for digestion. So yeah, we tend to think of this and take it for granted as like such an instantaneous thing. Um, but yeah, it's really thinking all those four together. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like everybody gets gung-ho and they're like, I can do everything. It's like, a I feel like in hygiene, like the hygienists, we're really good at like, okay, the chew, the, the TMJ, but anything like down deep, I want nothing to do with. So I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. Our speech language pathologists that can take the real difficult swallowing cases because I can work with this little buddy, but yeah. all that stuff in the throat you're describing, I'm like, I am so grateful there are people in the world that can deal with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, like that, I mean, people die from pneumonia mm -hmm. because of incorrect swallowing and swallowing things go down the wrong way. And so it definitely isn't without risk for sure. Right. Um, and so, yeah, understanding all the nerves and reflexes and muscles involved in that is like a whole nother ball of wax. You're right. You're mm -hmm. right. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think there are, I think I've told a little bit of my, my dad's story over the years here. Um, but my dad, um, really extremely long story short, brain surgery, coma, ended up coming out of it with a lot of trach damage, five throat surgeries, like he had to relearn all of this stuff. And this is in my like prime mile years. And there wasn't like, I did not jump in on that. <laughs> like, here's the, here's the speech, here's the OT, you know, here's the brain rehab place. These are the specialists that are all going to help you. Um, and it was, you know, it was huge to have the, that support team. And so, you know, I know Kimmy feels the same way I do. Of Again, we're always like collaboration, refer out when it's not for us. Um, we can take you, we can take you here. And then sometimes we need people to take us further. And actually, I know Kimmy's got a question too. Um, but how do you deal with some of this like provider fatigue, right? Like you work a lot with babies and, you know, Isabel was born lips tied, tongue tied, cheek tied, right? We had to work with lactation. We had to see the cranial sacral. We had to see the dentist. We had to you know, and all those things I knew ahead of time and was willing to do, but I run into a lot of patients or parents, or even I had a teenager the other day whose parents at this point are like provider fatigue because they're like, we're, you know, Hey, we've seen all the wrong people already. Right Now we're seeing you. And then you're telling me I might have to see somebody else. And then you're telling, you know, how, I mean, Kimmy, you can chime in on this too. How do you guys deal with that? Yeah. So for me, I, I think, like you said, they've already seen other people and then they end up in your office and you're telling them something totally different than what they've heard probably. Mm -hmm. um, uh -huh. And so I think I tend to treat that as like just the first, like talk about it mm -hmm. um, and, you know, be very patient and try to understand that, you know, they've been here, there and everywhere. Uh -huh. um, I had a patient yesterday that had seen 11, yeah. 11 lactation consultants. Wow. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, 
So yeah, I, I think that's very real. I also try to think that people only have so much time, energy, and money. Yeah, 100%. Right? And Amen. So, Preach it. <laughs> well, while certain things are, are definitely helpful, are they 100% mandatory? No. Um, so, you know, I, I tend to, to err on the side of being conservative just because yeah. our patients are already really taxed. Um, I also, I think having really great relationships with your um, referral networks yeah. Um, so that you can like speak to their expertise and speak to what will happen in their office. And I think fear of the unknown is a big thing. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go to a yet another person. Are they going to lead me astray? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to be pointless? Or what am I really going to get out of this? And so I don't feel like every single patient needs to see all these people, right? Um, you know, and maybe, maybe it's just that we pick one that like will give us the most bang for our buck and, you know, is really critical to our outcomes Uh and see where that gets us. Sometimes I've had patients that I'm like, oh God, they're going to need ENT and ortho and, you know, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, jaw surgery and the whole gamut. And then we like get working and a lot of things change just by changing function and myo. And so I also tend to think that my priorities and what I want for somebody is not always what they want for themselves. True. And so really respecting their goals and what their main focus is, is important, but that's a really good question. I want to hear how Kimmy answers that too. Yeah. I just take people where they're at. Yeah. If they want to go further, I help them go further. But a lot of people that I work with, once we work on their myo and then get their release done if necessary, a lot of times they're happy as a clam and they just kind of ride that. (laughs) I'm a crazy person who's done like little incremental things like my tongue tie and then I had my tori removed and then I just had ENT surgery. All those things were the incremental improvement. That's really what the healing journey is. You're never fully healed. You just kind of take things a piece at a time and get a little better and a little better and a little better. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my philosophy. I, I think that's, I always tell people it's like chopping down a tree. Like it's not going to happen in one swing. Like we got to keep working at it. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people's knee jerk reaction like when you have a new evaluation, they don't know you and you're, and if you tell them they have to go see these five, five other people, they're going to freak out and be like, oh man, this is way more than I can handle more than I can do. And they're, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose them. Oh yeah. They're not going to do any of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I usually present scenarios. Okay. We could do X, Y, Z and see where we get, or we could do this and then pick back up. So yeah, I think giving people some options and autonomy goes a long way. Yeah, that's that's kind of my philosophy too. Um, you know, and just a lot of empathy. Like, because I have, I've had patients who've come in, they're like, I've been dealing with this problem for years. I spent tens of thousands of dollars and all these other people. Now I finally found you, and like, I'm exhausted. What's left? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know, and so like, we, we tend to be the last resort for a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm happy to hear your philosophy is very similar to mine and Kimmy's both when it comes to treating patients and 
I think there's been a big push in, you know, in the expansion, in tongue space, in, you know, all of these things. And I can appreciate it. I understand it. I also know my CBCT, my airway is about six millimeters and my intermolar width's about 34 millimeters. So I'm right. a red flagger myself and I know down the road if things get worse, that's my next steps. But getting my tongue tie released uh, was huge for me, you know, doing the myo, getting my tongue tie released, my symptoms, 90% better, you know? And so stopping patients from being able to pursue those things based on, you know, some of these newer protocols, like I had a patient who just had to wait nine months because of all the hoops and stuff. And we finally got her tongue tie released and she called me in tears because she was so, so happy of the relief she was feeling. And I'm like, man, I tried to get this done nine months ago. And like, oof, you know, like it's so challenging because I'm like, I get the science, I get the research, I get all of that. But like, what about the human the real patient? Person. The human patient who needs these things. And a lot of times our patients, I know Kimmy's big on this too. Like our patients understand like, well, if things get worse, here's where we're going, right? Like <laughs> they know like, okay, like we're going to do this. We're going to try it. But if all of a sudden, like we have other symptoms and like, here's the next step in our process. And I think they appreciate that a lot more than like, okay, here's this like $50,000 treatment plan ahead of time. This is what you were, this is what you signed up for, right? Like, <laughs> yes. And they're yeah. like, <laughs> yes, glazed yeah. over. Yeah. You're, you get blocked. I, I love that you're bringing up a lot of these protocols. Like people keep talking about tongue space and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I don't understand this. Um, I think anytime you can get the tongue up and out of the airway and freely moving better, as long as you're prepared, as long as the tongue yeah. is not like a big flubber, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, so me personally, and I've shared some of my stories in my courses and on social media, my um, retroglossal space, 1.2 millimeters. Oh my gosh. Right? I think yours I'm, is the smallest I've ever seen too. Tiny. Yes. It's, it's I've been on. like bragging about like my five and a half, six millimeter. Like, okay. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous girl. But I got my tongue tie released. Um, let's see, 2015. So seven years ago. And I had such profound change. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have asked me because they've taken these courses with these protocols right. and, and kind of um, you know, teaching and they were like, do you wish you would have waited? And I'm like, no, like things got better. And, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'm not out there advocating just go get your tongue tie released and see what no. happens by any means. I definitely think, you know, there is a time when it can get worse. And when the tongue can fall further back in the airway is when the tongue is not in shape. Um, it's not like your airway gets smaller because your tongue can all of a sudden go up, mm -hmm. right? And so anytime the tongue can go up and out of the airway, I, I think go for it. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's, it's a little bit of gatekeeping. Um, and I, I think people are not protocols. They're just not. And so yeah. you have to kind of weigh risk and benefit for, for each scenario. So I love that you brought that up because yeah, that's, that's kind of a big thing out there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. We've seen that big shift lately. And um, 
you know, we've had a lot of patients ask for refunds on their therapy because they can't do anything because they're stopped at, oh, well, you need this, this, and this. They can't afford it. They can't do it. They really wanted their tongue tear releases. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, if I can't do anything, like, can I even keep doing therapy? And then they just stop and then they just go by the wayside. And it's just really sad. And it's been sad to experience and see and watch. And, um, you know, that's a whole different tangent that we could, (laughs) that we could probably get on. But um, yeah, I think the provider fatigue has definitely been something I've been experiencing a lot lately. So I'm happy to hear we're all on the same page. (laughs) We want to introduce this spot for TOTS course, a parent's guide for toddlers ages two to five for Mini Mayo. We have Megan and Kimmy going over nasal hygiene, myofunctional exercises, breathing exercises, tongue tie healing protocols. And then we have Jenny June going over sleep hygiene and Kelsey Baker going over feeding therapy and body work. Uh, the course is 297 and the link will be in the description. Autumn, I'm curious if you can give some insight into this. So. A lot of kiddos that have these speech issues and speech impediments, almost always there's a myofunctional disorder as well, Mm -hmm. or a tongue tie. How does it work in the school systems? Like I've heard that there's like a gag order where they're not allowed to talk about the tongue tie because the schools are like, well, we can't like pay for them to do therapy anyway. So you're not allowed to mention it. Have you... Do you have any insights on that? Yeah, a little bit. So my first year out, I worked in the school system. And so anything that is taxpayer funded has a lot of red tape, right? And so there's a lot of kids that, you know, have an issue, but it's not affecting their schooling. So it may not be affecting how they sound out words and spell words or their ability to answer a question in class or whatever. So a lot of the kids definitely fall through the cracks and get missed for sure. Uh Um, Because you, you have to be, you have to qualify and be so far behind that it's deemed worthy for taxpayer funds to be useful for therapy. Um, The other thing I would say, and generally speaking, and you know, every state and school district is a little bit different. Um, But generally speaking, it's not one-on-one therapy. Um, it's groups. Um, it's pretty minimal time frame, just because you know there's a shortage and um, the the qualifications are so rigorous for a child to qualify. Um, but most school therapists do not are not trained in tongue tie, and they're not even really getting in the mouth at the school. Um, I didn't realize that. that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't either. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if a professional in the school system on a child's, um, IEP or special education plan recommends a product, a service, um, a referral, the school can be held liable to pay for it because Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the thing. So I do know a lot of therapists have kind of like been like not putting it in their report officially, but like telling the parent on the side, hey, you might want to check into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I mean, that's 
it's sad, but it's kind of the reality. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's tough. That's a good insight. And I'm so glad you shared that. So in school speech therapy, do they do exercises or is it more phonetic like this? Yes. So it's more phonetic, I would say. Um, most, I mean, I would say most therapists are not using oral motor tools or anything in the school system. They might have a tongue depressor that they, you know, or a mouth model and say, put your tongue here or there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, honestly, speech therapy is the same across the board. When you have a myofunctional approach to speech therapy, it's basically addressing airway, addressing rest posture, addressing swallow, then addressing the speech. And many times we don't even need to address the speech because uh -huh. it all fell into place because of that underlying issue. And, you know, the thing is, is we, um, I hear a lot of SLPs say, we don't know what causes speech sound disorders. Well, I think we do. Yeah, we so do. So <laughs> it can be a hearing issue. <laughs> it can be hearing, right? We're not speaking the right sounds right. because of a hearing issue. Um, Good point. It, it can be um, neurological or um, phonological, like related to our understanding um, of language that, mm -hmm. you know, the S makes S, right? Um, and then it can also be like mechanical. So that could be a tongue tie, that could be oral motor movements, how they're forming the sounds. That could be a muscle-based issue. So like dysarthria. Um, so, I mean, those are three main reasons for speech sound issues. So um, yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of nuance there. It's one of those three. Um, I, I actually love that. love that. That was awesome. You're like, yes, we do. <laughs> it's either <laughs> you want can't move, it's all lazy, or I know a kid that was speech delayed, but it turns out he has like pus and a huge infection in the adenoids. So when they went to go remove oh. the adenoids, his speech has improved and he's speaking new words, but he was speech delayed till two and a half. Yeah. And mm -hmm. with the adenoids, um, you know, hypertrophied or swollen and infected, that can definitely, you know, block the ears and then everything's, you know, you've got fluid in there and everything's muffled. Um, yeah, that can definitely impact for sure. I have a question I have been dying to ask you actually. Okay. Why is it when uh, somebody has trouble with their R's, what is the musculature involved with making that R sound? And then, oh, I have a follow yeah, up, yeah. and then I have a follow-up question because I was going to ask an R question too. So say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's tongue retraction and elevation. So all the muscles that okay. are involved in that, um, R is particularly difficult just because like the landmarks aren't as easy. Like, you know, the T, okay. Put your tongue behind your teeth. Um, mm -hmm. R is a little more like, eh. So you have to use intrinsic and extrinsic mm. muscles. So because the back of the tongue has to like widen and then yeah. brace on the inside molars and then pull up and back. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of our, our. These little kids <laughs> we're working with. So like spatially, right. uh, can they figure that out? 
Um, yeah, R is also really important because we have 21 different types. So, um, yeah, so you've got like, you know, initial, medial, and final. So where it falls in the word, you've got the vowels with the R. So ire, or, um, ear, those are all made slightly differently. Um, so yeah, R is super complex. Ironically, most SLPs hate R and I love R. <laughs> um, I'm at a 22nd. The pirate R is really also important. Yes, 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 <laughs> for sure. For you sure. can't be a pirate if you can't make your nice R sound. That's right. <laughs> I want to title this episode Autumn Mythbusters. <laughs> I like it. Teach myth busters. (laughs) Um, Okay. So can you, which I'm sure you can, but I've never been able to roll my R's. I was tongue tied. I can't roll my R's. Like obviously a terrible Spanish speaker. Can you actually, can you come to teach that once you get the foundational R? Can you teach, which we don't have to do right now, but you know, maybe it's on the side. Um, is that something that can be regained from function and therapy? Yes, absolutely. It's just like the taco tongue. Like people think it's genetic and, right. you know, it's been that way yeah. forever. I can teach you. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. We teach taco tongue. I yeah. have a patient right <laughs> now. He just got his tongue tie released um, on Monday and he, um, where is he from? Um, I think the Dominican. Yeah. Um, that's his ancestry. So rolling the R is kind of important. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I can think of another patient that I had three or four years ago. Um, and she was Hispanic. And so that was important to her too. And so we did work on that. Um, but again, that's kind of the last yeah. stepping stone of the whole puzzle um, is working on that speech side of things just because all the other stuff has to be in place, but that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's been so fun having you. Well, oh. thank you guys. Thanks for having me. We've never um, had a speech therapist before. So okay. yeah, you're our first, uh, you know, Kimmy and I, we, we love speech therapists. So we've just been waiting to have somebody come on to, and we're, cause we don't do speech. Right. And so you know, we've been waiting to have somebody come on and give us that speech perspective. We've been talking about it for a long time. And we know there can be a little bit of like weirdness because um, you talked about it earlier, like territorial stuff. And, you know, Kimmy, Kimmy and I like don't give a two darns about uh, the territorial stuff. We believe in staying in your lane, treating what you're supposed to. But, um, you know, we're all about the overlap and collaborating and more putting more heads together. Right. You know? For sure. So, yeah, so we're so happy to have you and bridge, bridge any gaps, uh, you know, between this RDH SLP nonsense, like clearly, like, we're not here for it. So let's be real. <laughs> There's so many patients that need help to go yeah. around. So why do we need that? As long as, you know, people are doing what they're supposed to do, referring mm-hmm. when they need to, asking for help when they need it, like, move on. Yeah, absolutely. We love it. Autumn, tell us about your other courses because you oh, yeah, help train people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, 
you know, over the years, I kind of got known as the tongue tie girl. And um, I would have therapists um, and doctors ask me like, hey, what is this tongue tie thing? And it's just not a 20 minute conversation. <laughs> um, so I started like keeping a notebook of what was working with my patients and, and kind of my process. And so that turned into a two day course. So that's TOTS training. That's kind of what people know me for. Um, and then over, that was really meant for the functional professionals. So the therapists that are, are working in the mouth, the lactation consultants working with the latch and the oral motor movements. Okay. But a lot of, um, release providers were attending, which is fantastic. Like they'd come to listen to, you know, a non-doctor, um, but they wanted that surgical training. And so obviously I've done zero phrenectomies. So <laughs> that's when um, we launched Plot the Tot. And Plot the Tot is really a team course. Mm. It's meant to pull together teams and like figure out their um, systems and how, you know, if you're across town over here and I'm across town over here, how do we communicate? How do we get on the same page? Um, how do we train our front desks? to answer some of these questions. Um, what do we do if XYZ happens? And so it's got the surgical training for the providers and also the therapists like need to understand how this absolutely happens. And, um, and then the, the doctors and dentists hear the other side of it, how you know the functional side of things are. So that course goes through three patients, an infant, a child, and an adult from start to finish. Um, and we talk about marketing in there. We talk about troubleshooting and issues yeah. you might encounter. We call it our blooper reel. So, um, you know, when things don't go according to plan, what what do you do? So that's plot the tot. And then um, just last weekend, I launched um, my advanced myofunctional therapy course. Um, it's called the Stones Approach, and it stands for Systematic Treatment of OMDs with nuanced effective strategies. And with all my courses, they came out of necessity. So mm -hmm. they were things that were missing in my education that I had to kind of like troubleshoot and figure out on my own. And so, you know, I, I think it's sort of like learning a foreign language. The best thing you can do is go live in that country and like throw yeah. yourself into it. You're gonna learn it quick. And so that's kind of what I did. Um, so it talks about, you know, the hard cases, the ones that, you know, we're looking at different types of expansion or TMD or um, orthognathic surgery and what comes first and what comes second and what are some things we would encounter. And not only that, but just general myo, like some of those stuck points that we get. Mm -hmm. um, so we know we're supposed to be able to control the lateral borders of the tongue, the taco tongue, right? But if someone can't do that, why can't they do it? And how are we able to get them to be able to do it? Mm -hmm. So some of those cues that we use, and then it's not enough just to do the exercise. It's got to be tied to a functional outcome and you got to do it right. Yep. So really looking and identifying those compensations. Um, so yeah, those were just some things that were really um, 
not, not in my training. And so I figured, you know, I was like, okay, what's next? There's not a lot of advanced next level myofunctional training out there. There's a ton of introductory courses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm here trying to fill a gap. Yeah. So if people are interested in your courses, where can they find them? Yeah. So they can head over to our website, Chrysalis Orofacial. And then we have a drop down that shows all our trainings. We have a couple of little courses online too that are on demand, but these are our live ones, either in person or um, live online. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. And that's how people can find you on social media too. Instagram, oh, Facebook, yes. TikTok. Instagram. Chrysalis Orofacial. Yep. Yep. You'll find me. I'm, and I'm wild on there. You should also follow her because Autumn is going through the mRNA or yeah, DNA? mMRNA. Uh-huh. Okay. The Vivos mMRNA appliance. Yep. I'm just a couple months awesome. in. So yeah, working on that airway space. Getting on that journey, trying to go from 1.2 to 1.4. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'll take it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a blast to have you. Um, like Autumn said, we, you can catch her Chrysalis Oral Facial on any social media, her website. You can also probably Google her name, Autumn Henning. She'll come up at the top. Or you can catch Kimmy and I on social media. You can catch me at NWMFT, Kimmy at Mouth Muscle Memory. And you can always find us on the Much Bunch podcast. And if you guys have questions, you want to reach out. If you want to get in touch with Autumn, let us know as well. We can connect you that way too. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank Autumn, you, for joining Autumn. us. Thank and you. And we are so excited to see what uh, what we all come up with next. So. Bye, everybody. Bye.